0: You're about to listen to a message from the LifePoint Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. Hi, good evening, everyone. Praise God. Amen. Um, uh, so tonight, we will qu- quickly look through the last letter to, to the churches. And I, I think, you know, for me, it's been a beautiful time, but I'm actually happy that we are... We're landing at the last one tonight, all right? Um, this is to the last of the church in Laodicea. Um, I'm going to read out of Revelations chapter 3 and from verse 14 all the way to 21, okay? Um, trusting that God will speak to our hearts today. I'm very keen that we spend a bit of time praying afterwards. Um, and one thing that I'll ask is that even as we... Uh, teach and as we share today, that even as God lays things in your heart, but you can actually just write prayer points down and things that you would like to pray about, okay? Um, so I'll read to your hearing, and then after, that, you know, as in our culture, the last couple of weeks, on the midweek, someone will come and share uh, for about seven, ten minutes, and then I'll come up and just round up. All right, so Revelations 3, 14 to 21, and to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans say, right. write. These things say the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold or hot. I could wish that you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich. Have become wealthy and have need for nothing, but do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. So I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich, and white garments that you may be clothed. Now the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten, therefore be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my Father on his throne. He who has an ear, I'll let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. May God bless the reading of his word. Uh, tonight, I'll ask um, uh, Brad Dom to come and share. He's been with us in our very start, one of our ministers here. Let's receive him as he comes, please. Um, is he around? Yes, oh, yes, right here. <laughs> Let's keep clapping until he comes. Huh? <laughs> so I'll be back after, like, seven minutes. Uh, uh,
1: good evening, Church. The, the, the last time I was here, um, I realized that I couldn't see the um, tap clearly. So I had to bring my magnifying glass. So that I won't have the same experience. Okay, I think it's good. Okay. So good evening. Thank you. Uh, thank you, PI, for this opportunity. Um, I ask that the Holy Spirit would um, use me uh, any any way and anyhow He wants to so that his word would reach each and every one of us exactly where it matters most in Jesus' name. Okay. Um, we'll be talking about Laodicea. Uh, my kids try to da- guide me on how to pronounce that name properly. I think I've still missed it, but take my own, Laodicea. Now, um, as, like, like P.I. said, this, this is the um, last of the... Seven churches. Um, usually, we we'll hear that you leave the best for last, isn't it? Uh, uh, but but not in this case. Laodicea La- La- is not the best of the of the churches. Um, uh, the, in fact, it's actually one of the <laughs> one of the <laughs> one of the worst. Um, the if I remember clearly, let me check my notes now. I remember that um, Smyrna and uh, Philadelphia are the of the best churches because they got commendation. Um, uh, Pergamum, Ephesus, and Thyatira got uh, mixed, mixed, mixed uh, review. But Sardis and Laodicea got letters of condemnation, so they were not happy. But let me just quickly give a little bit background um, because uh, as we go through the uh, verses, I will try and spend every, about maybe a minute on per verse. That will help me um, work with time. Uh, the, the background would help us to um, link the the message to the um to the church because what i've what i 've noticed is that uh, the words try to um, show them what happens around them so that they could easily relate to it all right Laodicea itself is uh, is in the well from uh, the history books is somewhere where you have where we have Turkey now. Um, that name was given to them by um, uh, Antiochus II, the second king of Syria, in honor of his wife La- Laodice. Okay, yeah, Laodice, yes. Uh, I'm just wondering why. <laughs> no, let me not go there now. Yes, his, his wife. Now Laodicea itself is um, uniquely positioned. Uh, Sorry that it has. Hot springs coming from the north, um, which and then some cold um, waters coming from the the mountains. When they when they meet, usually becomes lukewarm. All right. Um, And interestingly, that city itself is also, well, at the time um, considered to be a very wealthy um, city. Um, So it also allows for. People from different, different backgrounds, because of their wealth, really, they all would come and meet in at that place. So it's often referred to as um, a, a city um, of compromise, uh, in the sense that they they were not just open to both good and well people, but they were also very good at dropping their own faith and. Um, beliefs for that of the people. They just you can remember the story of um, Solomon. You know when he had his uh, concubines, he easily would just drop his own for for the others. Okay, so I think with that background, let's let's go into it. Uh, we already have read verse. Uh, what I still would do is I still would ask that we we'll take them. When I and then I will try and um, share what I was able to pick from them. Um, and what I think. Um, the Holy Spirit is trying to say uh, to us in this message. Because this message is not only for Laodicians but for us. Because it is still very, very relevant. Okay. So let's take um, ch- chapter 3, verse 14. It uh, says, unto the angel of the church of Laodiceans, write... This is a, Okay. Now, so let me uh, explain, explain the, um, this part. The the angel of the church here uh, f- refers to um, the um, the presiding pastor, like we have um, our pastor incredible with, with us now. So he could be the easily have been the um, the um, angel, all right. But some books also say that that also refers to the um, archbishop. I think they called him um, um, Archipus. But whichever it is, you know that the angel here is not the one in uh, big feathers and big wings, right? But the the, the bishop. Okay. Now, something interesting for me as I read this is um, the names. There are three new names that you would have seen before now, um, which is the amen, all right? Um, Which in Hebrew means verily, verily, right? So the amen, the faithful and true witness, and the beginning of creation of God, meaning that... Um, well, this verse just tells us, apart from the the um, angel, the angel, but also um, the sender or the speaker. In this case, Jesus Himself. All right, um, because he's the one that is considered as the beginning of the creation of God. This is interesting because um, at the last verse, we still would we'll have some reference um, to this message. Praise God. So if you look at 15 and 16, which is which talks about, it says, "I know, <laughs> I know your works; that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. Each time you, okay." 16 says, "If you can put them on the same on the same slide, I'll appreciate that. Don't mind me. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I'll vomit you out of my mouth. If you have been following the series, as it were, uh, you notice that every time you hear um, I know your works. There's trouble. <laughs> it means that they've done something wrong. That also applies in this case because it's saying, I'm not happy with what you are doing. All right? Um, when I also spend some time on this, uh, it, 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 it seems to say that you are either hot or cold, but don't be lukewarm, <laughs> all right? You are either hot or cold, but don't be lukewarm. And if they say preferred, it will be, be hot. Um, the um, cold in this case refers to people that have been untouched by the power of grace. Those, that, those are the, the cold ones. And the lukewarm also have been, they have received God's grace but it's not showing in their work. There's no fruit that supports that grace. While heart is the most preferred for all of us, which is that we are glowing and that we are in fervent zeal and that we are self-sacrificing. a little of something that I will share, you know, because some of the thoughts that also came when I was reviewing this. How, how, how does that relate to us as Christians? So, do we have hot Christians, cold Christians, and lukewarm Christians? And what I heard was, do you have good Christ, uh, hot Christ, cold Christ, or lukewarm Christ? No, it's just one Christ. So, is, is it that you are? a Christian or you are not. Is it that you are hot or you are not? Um, something that was jumped my t- attention is um, how we try to um, be with God and be somewhere else. And that is something that <laughs> jumped at, at me, and I think I'll share it here, is um, we are in church. We we'll listen to the message. Or we should listen to the message, but what happens? We are busy on social media, for instance. So that is a good example of being not not being hot. All right? So you see that you are here with him or you are not. You are doing what you, say you should do or you are not doing it. So you see that you are a Christian or you are not. My prayer is that we will be hot and that we will be Christians in Jesus' name. Okay. Um, verse. Okay, now that's why I said I'll carry this glass. Sometimes. All right, that's, that was um, 15 and 16, right? Okay, so now let's go, let's go at verse 17. Verse 17 says Because you say, I am rich, uh, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind. And, and naked, very, very interesting one. Um, what I, but my notes here, I said, now that city itself, like I've said earlier, is very rich, they are, they are wealthy, okay, um, properly positioned, what we're able to do, they're indeed wealthy. Um, it doesn't say that wealth is bad, but what it suggests is that um, wealthy Christians, should not don't just think that all you need is to make contribution in terms of um, uh, just you know put the money down. Okay, maybe for instance we are trying to raise some money for um, a, a program. Uh, don't just okay I have have done my contributions to bring bring the money and then that's all. No, um, what God has, God expects it to be more from us than just the contributions financially. In fact, what you expect from us is the zeal. He wants us to. Um, uh, be committed to whatever cause that he wants us to um, uh, address. Uh, there's something else here from I, I picked out is that we should not be hypocrites. We should not be hypocrites. We should. Um, uh, we, we, we said we should. Um, Which? We okay. Well, see. I think I'll leave that one out. I see. P. I. is tying up. He's distracting me now. <laughs> okay. Now, let me go to verse 18. 18 says, I counsel you to buy of me gold tried in the fire, right? Uh, okay, that you may be rich, and white garments that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and not your eyes with eyes so that you may see. Okay. Uh, something I should quickly note is, when I, when I was discussing, talking about Laodosia, um, the white garment was picked from the environment. They are known for um, this black wool that they use in making their garments. So the garments are usually black. But this verse is talking about um, white garments. So meaning, drop your black garment, take the white one. Now the eyes is something that is produced or manufactured in Laodosia. That city had um, this ointment that people that have eye problem are able to um, you anoint their eyes and they can see. All right. Now, but note this part. It says, "Buy from me gold refined in that you, that you may be rich." Note that it says, "Buy gold that you may be rich." Not <coughs> if you are rich, you can buy gold. All right. It says, "So buy from me gold that you may be." Rich, so meaning that you don't, you don't have, have the money. I, in fact, when I was going through that, I remembered a similar verse in Scripture, in Isaiah 55, verse 1, talking about, it um, says you buy uh, wine and milk without money, without price. So here actually saying, uh, just come with nothing that you have. Come. Come with that nothing, and I will make you rich. Um, don't say, okay, I must have all the money before I go. No, 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 no. Come the way you are, and he will make you rich. Praise God. Okay, there's going to be um, others, but I think I will just have to leave it uh, at this point. I'm, I'm sure we'd have picked um, the last verses. Uh, P.I. will come and summarize them. Praise God.
0: Thank you so much. Um, I think I was kind of worried that if he went through everything, I might have nothing to say, like, um, tonight, uh, thank you so much, brother. I, tonight, I'm, uh, I am, as, as I prepared for this, I felt that it's easy to read this letter and get the impression that, you know, Jesus was really upset. Uh, and I would start then, I guess, from uh, further down because he begins to say to the church, um, look, guys, this, it says, for as many as I love, so I think this is 19 or 20, I think. For as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten, therefore be zealous and repent. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten, and it says, "Therefore, be zealous and repent." And it's just so I want to say that first before we continue, so that um, we we understand that sometimes when God speaks to us in love, he he is not um, he's what you hear from God in love sometimes can be a rebuke. All right. And we must be willing to be comfortable with God who corrects us and who also says, well done, good and faithful servant. That's very important. Because otherwise, you, we then create for ourselves a version of God that is consistently and only, you know, affirming everything that we do. In fact, when he talks about scripture, he would say all scripture, god breathed, is useful for correction, for indoctrination. And so tonight, this conversation that he has with the church, in fact, at one point he says, let me counsel you. And, and I, so because it's easy to see the brokenness of this church, It's easy to see their confusion. It's easy for you to just shake their head and go, oh my goodness. It's just total rubbish people. Can you imagine? But that is not how Jesus, you know, necessarily sees them. So he's bold enough to say this needs to be fixed. But he's also bold enough to love them in spite of that and during that. Uh, Last Sunday, if you were here, we had a conversation about um, the Pentecostal church. And, you know, as Bradom shared earlier about being hot, one thing that is interesting how it kind of aligns because we didn't plan the Sundays and the Wednesdays. One thing that is big for me as a prayer, for us as a church, is that we will constantly carry the fire of the Holy Spirit. That we would not leave, that we would not be content with that brand of Christianity that dodges the Holy Spirit. That is just Christian enough for you to be Christian, but doesn't fully embrace everything that God is doing. So Jesus says, Do not, to the disciples, don't head, don't set out yet. Wait for me, right? And it says, when the Holy Spirit comes, things will change. So tonight, I just want to remind us that we, we have a responsibility to invest in being hot. I know normally when they say to a lady that you are very hot, you know, it means that you are very pretty-ish, right? I don't know if they say guys are hot. But... <laughs> Sorry? <laughs> the man's not hot. Yes, I know. <laughs> but, but, I, but I sense, and, and tonight as we talk, it's, I'm going to go to Isaiah 55, where God begins to say, look, there's a way I think of things that is different from how people, men think of things the day we come to that place where we are comfortable to understand that there are two different ways that God thinks and way men will typically think, um, it makes it easy to understand why God says certain things. And, and so tonight we'll be asking him for perspective. We'll be asking him for perspective. Because when God says a person is hot, he's looking for more than just how beautiful they appear or how pretty they appear, or how sexually attractive they appear. I'm sure you know by now that being sexy is not a fruit of the Spirit. Right? It's not. Because sometimes, and we must say this, sometimes we invest too much effort to be sexy. Way too much. That time will come, and it has its place, and its day, but it's oftentimes not now. When you go to the office, you go for an interview. You're not trying to show them how sexy you are. You just want to tell them you can do the work, right? Okay. I don't even know how I got there, but, <laughs> but it's about perspective, all right? How does God see this? And so I'll just run through. So he says, look, guys, I would love for you to be hot. My deepest prayer, myself and the leaders, we prayed yesterday also again and again. Everyone who comes to Life Point will carry fire. Everyone. Everyone, it doesn't matter whether you have been here a month, a day, a week, four years, that the, fire, that the fire of the Holy Spirit will burn upon the altars of your heart, that you would be on fire for God. I remember what we said on Sunday, how that there is a triangle that is necessary for fire to burn. You need oxygen, you need the environment, that you need... To have fuel, that you need to have a spark, something that causes, that ignites it. And I remember how I said that God brings the fire. Where people will gather fuel, God will bring the fire. Where people will gather fuel, God will bring the fire. And just lastly on this, I remember saying that there are a couple of things that you must do if you don't want to be on fire for God, that you must learn to dabble. A little here and a little there, that you must learn not to associate with people who are desperately chasing after God lest they infect you. You must learn not to pray for anything beyond your needs and definitely not to pray in the Holy Spirit for extended periods of time. So if you are doing all these things, I'm naming you you are fine. All right? And that, (laughs) Um, help me ask the person next to you are you on fire? Are, Are you on fire? Are you on fire? All right, please tell them you have to be hot. Just, just, you have to be hot, all right? And we have to start taking some vocabulary away from how we have used them before, all right? When they say that brother is hot, you should think of something different. But I move to the next verse and he says, because you say, I am rich, have become wealthy, and have no need, I have need for nothing. It says, but you do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. It's a different in perspective, guys. Tonight, I sense that as we pray, that we must constantly ask the Holy Spirit, how do you see this? It's a different in perspective. Because if the guys say they are rich, and have become wealthy, it must be that there's something in the bank. This isn't just a positive confession. These guys have made some money. Maybe like you, they have 5 million naira in savings. Or maybe they have just $100,000 somewhere. But it's different in perspective. Because he says, guys, the way I look at you, and don't forget, I love you. It says, you are wretched, you are miserable. You are poor, you are blind, and you are naked. It says, so I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich. God wants us to be rich. He does. He does. He wants us to be rich. It's interesting when you read that scripture that I remember... Apostle Peter in 1 Peter 1, verses 6 to 7, talking about our faith. He's talking about how we deal with challenges and how we operate. He says, in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes... It says, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You're going to hold that scripture there for me. It's a matter of perspective. Because if I ask you how wealthy you are, sometimes the first thing your mind goes through is how much you have in the bank. It's how much you have in savings. It's how much... They promised they would pay you at the end of the month. Help me ask the person next to you, how rich are you? How, how rich are you? How rich are you? I know you've been wanting to ask them all service. How, how wealthy are you, you know? I mean, I don't know about you, but you know, once you, once you gather your first 100,000 naira in life, your own first one, there's a different way you walk. When you gather your first 1 million naira, your shoulders go up a bit. 10 million. Ha! <laughs> Who is the usher to tell you where to sit? <laughs> and of course, you can never come to church early anymore. That's for poor people. 100 million, you can buy your own church, right? You don't, you don't even need to go to church late. 100 million. I mean, 100 million, you need a... You're wealthy, right? You're really rich. <laughs> it's a matter of perspective. The servant says to his, the prophet, he says... We are finished. There's an army around us. The guy says, Look, the prophet says to him, He says, Don't worry. And he says, Lord, would you open his eyes? God opens his eyes. He sees around them the army of God. It's a matter of perspective. Here, Peter says that there is something we do not treat as if it has value. Multimedia, please, can you please put the scripture back on? Thank you. He says, your faith is more precious. I'm going to read that. The genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold. The genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes. Though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise or not and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Jesus says, buy gold refined in fire. Christians should not fear fire. Christians should not fear fire. Christians should not fear difficult circumstances, especially when they are complex. Because God does not always require us to think it through. He doesn't. The evidence of things not seen. So, so how much value do we place on our faith? He says to the church, he says, buy of me. Collect something from me that is bigger than gold. But you know, if you're like me, that, that I don't want, that's not what you want to hear. You're like, God, okay, I don't mind this faith thing you're talking about, but just give me gold also, just in case. If you're like me, you say, how do I take faith to the bank? How can I post faith on Instagram? I mean, I can post a Range Rover or a G-Wagon with red letters on Instagram and say to God be the glory, but how do I post my faith? When people are booking tickets for this December. and They're booking first class ticket. How do I use my faith to book a first class ticket? Peter says, the genuineness of your faith, it has much more value than gold. And he says, interestingly, you put your faith, he says, that genuineness, it comes through in the midst of fire. Tell you what, I don't like fire. I don't. In, in that sense, it's because you're like, God, I've come to you, you make all things perfect. All things work together for good. May I say to someone tonight that the circumstances that you are dealing with at the moment are supposed to be the environment in which God proves that which is put within you. May I say to someone tonight that you should treat your faith as something that is more precious than gold because it is. In fact, may I say to someone tonight that when the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy, his job description, John ten ten, that he will not always look for your gold because he recognizes what is more precious. And so he, when he shows up, if he sees your faith, and he sees your gold, he will go for your faith. Jesus says, can I give you something that has transactional value in heaven? Can I give you something that lasts beyond (laughs) what men can describe? The Bible says to us, I think Romans chapter 4 begins to describe, it says, Abraham exhibited faith in God. And so, you know, there's a way you can become um, very enamored with trying to get wealth. And, and this is important. Wealth is good. But it, it then you get to the place where you say, I do not need anything. Luke chapter 12, the man has worked hard, become wealthy. He says, my goodness, I've arrived. What Jesus says, perspective, guys. I think there is someone tonight who is here and you are feeling very poor. You are feeling very unsuccessful. You feel like a failure. A couple of months ago, I can't remember what series we were preaching, and that argument happened in my head. I started hearing it in press. What if God already believes that you are succeeding? Because for a lot of us, the way we've defined success in life is purely material and is in comparison and is relative to other people. And that is one of the biggest sources of sadness and depression on the earth today. Abraham believed God and it was accounted unto him. Faith has transactional value in heaven before God. I love the scripture that Bradom quoted in Isaiah 55. When you show up before God, your money, you cannot talk to God with Naira. It, It doesn't have, he doesn't recognize that. You can't talk to God with even dollars in case you were thinking it's a currency issue. But would you buy gold from God? Would you let your faith become wealthy? Would you let your faith grow? For someone, the very fire that you've been running away from is the very place God wants to test your faith and prove it. He says to them, Buy clothes from me. Uh, I'm reading, that was an Amplified Translation. It says to them, um, and white garments that you may be clothed. It says because you are naked. And this is interesting because once man sees in Genesis, I think Genesis chapter 3, the Bible says that one of the very first things that happens, it says their eyes are open and they know that they are naked. They quickly gather leaves together And make for themselves clothing. They hear the Lord coming in the cool of the evening. And the Bible says they hide themselves. When God begins to look for man, he says, look, where are you? He says, I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. It's interesting, but even after man makes for himself, Adam, Eve make for themselves uh, clothing from fig leaves that they still know deep within them that they are naked and they still hide from God. There is no amount of money that sorts out that issue of human nakedness because you can buy clothes from all the favorite designers in the world and yet not have confidence to stand before God. I can't remember who it was sharing with me very recently and saying how that every time they want to pray, every time they want to stand before God, but there's such a huge feeling of guilt and condemnation. And it's very simple. Jesus says to them, you are still naked. He says, but would you let me clothe you with white garments? Would you let me clothe you with white garment the 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 message translation says buy your clothes from me clothes designed in heaven i mean we all i mean all of us don't we all like to say we you know our clothes are imported clothes you right well i don't know who your favorite designer is you know we are fashionable like folabi you have all this fancy designer clothes, but do you have clothing from God? What what does that mean? What does that mean? In one place in Isaiah, he says that he would give unto us the garment of praise instead of the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called children of righteousness or trees of righteousness. In fact, in Isaiah 61, when you read verse 10, he would say there, In Isaiah chapter 61 and verse 10, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has, (laughs) you're reading the Amplified now. Okay, message, okay, fine. He has outfitted me in a robe of righteousness. This acceptance of what Jesus did for us on the cross when it concerns the matter of righteousness, is fundamental to our faith. Sometimes we're trying to drag people into a prayer life. But they're still in Genesis chapter 3, where every time they perceive or hear of the presence of God, they feel unworthy. Every time. You know, sometimes when you go to a wedding, you know who is the family you know, you can already tell, they're all wearing green. Oh, f- I don't know what colors, you know, all these mystery colors. Baby pink, muscular yellow, you know, all sorts of nice. And you know who is the groom, who is the bride's family. You know who came with the groom, who ushers on one side. They all have their uniforms. What is heaven's ashwebi? Yeah. That it is the garment of righteousness. And I'm, I worry that too many times, too many people are quick to take that off. Who told you you were naked? And Jesus says to them, Get, let, me, let me clothe you. Let me supply you with a covering. Let me dress you up. For someone, that is the reason why you are not praying. That's the reason why we're not praying. Because when we stand before God, we show up there naked. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, I think. If any man is in Christ, is a new creature. All things are passed away and all things are become new. And all things are of God, I think 18, who's reconciled us unto himself through Christ Jesus and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. You go all the way to 21, verse 21. He says that, um, uh, verse 21 says that he that knew no sin, for he made him who knew no sin to be seen for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Wealth, cannot buy this it's free so Jesus says to them let me clothe you that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed and let me anoint your, ears, your eyes with eye salve that you may see I think that's a big prayer guys that you, we may see I think that's a big prayer and then he says to them, As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. That God will give us faith, that is faith that is more precious than gold. Faith is more, more than just things, but it is more precious than gold. That God will give us a covering. That, he would, he would, that we would come into the place where we take what they call the garments of righteousness. White garments, you know. In fact, one church, he says to them, I'll clothe you in white garments. And I was joking that then saying, we're a white garment church, guys. But it was a joke. Before you now say, our oh, pastor says we're a white garment church. But you understand what I mean. But that people would step out of Genesis 3. And come into Second Corinthians five twenty one, where when they think about righteousness, they understand that this is not a righteousness that they are working for; it is one that they have been given in Christ Jesus, and then leave out. How do we see things? It's a matter of perspective. I, I do sense that as we pray tonight, we're asking the Holy Spirit to give us perspective about our lives. To give us perspectives about our lives. Isaiah 55, 8 to 8 down, I think he says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways. He says, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts that as we associate with the Holy Spirit, he shows us perspective from heaven. As we deep into God's word, scripture says in Psalm 119, I think in verse 130, that the entrance of your word gives light, gives understanding to the simple. Bible would say, Speaking about garments, I think it's in Matthew 22 where people are invited to a feast. And the Bible says that when the king shows up, he sees a man who is not dressed appropriately. And he says, why have you not dressed up? Or why have you come in here without a wedding garment? Yeah, I think that's how he puts it. And so when Jesus shows up to this church, yes, he He's he's rebuking them. But he says, guys, I love you. And I want to make you rich. I want to clothe you properly. And I want to make sure you see things the way they are. I want to make you rich. I want to make sure you are clothed properly so you can show up in the places that you need to show up. He says, and I want to make sure that you see things the way that they are. He says, you think you are rich. He says, but that's not true. That's not true. And then he begins to say, look, look at me. It says, it says, um, as, as he says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. This was perhaps one of the most popular scriptures. I mean, if you had a top 10 scripture, this scripture when I was growing up, top 10. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him, and he with me. To he who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. And interestingly, we would typically use that scripture when we would speak about people who needed to get saved. And we would say to them, Jesus is knocking on the door. Open. And it was useful, and I think it's fair application to do that. But here he's talking to a church. And so people could enter the church, become saved, and yet be unwilling to open doors in their hearts to God. And it's interesting because when God comes into our life, He would walk room to room, room to room. And for someone, he, he last year he visited the room of your finances. And oh, that was a tough year for you. Because he started asking you about all this money you were spending, anyhow, week today, lipstick tomorrow. And then he, 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 and you guys, and he came in and communed. And that, but it seems like he's moved from that room. And sometimes as he steps out of one room, you're saying, oh Jesus, don't knock on that door yet. I wonder what door he's knocking on your heart about. For some of you, it's the anger door. Because we see your church face when you come, but you are a terror at work when you start to erupt like this, even people in the next office know that the, vulca- the volcano has come. At home, no, they can't. They, they don't try you. And Jesus is he's knocking there. He's saying, the wrath of man does not walk the righteousness. And you're like, God, I'm not, I'm not at home. Because <laughs> you think, you know, you know, he knocked the last time for you, for someone's on your sexuality. Been knocking, you were hiding. The challenge is that he's been polite. Don't forget, but he's the one who walks through doors normally. For someone, it's about the size of the dreams that you are carrying—small. And God, is, he's trying to knock. He's like, would you let me in? Let's. This is not. He says, if you. Anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Have you ever had someone knocking before and you didn't want to open the door for them? So you kept quiet for a while. Just kept quiet. So some of you have kept quiet since before God. It's okay, you can come to church because when you come to church, there's noise. People are even in the middle of prayer. People are praying. You know, people are praying. There's a conversation going on. God can't really, if he starts to say anything you don't really like, Ashallah, how are you? You kind of you know how to distract yourself. But that prayer when you are by yourself, all 12 midnight, all the generators have gone off. Nobody's texting you anymore. <laughs> you don't even risk it, you don't show up because you don't want God to knock. He says, if anyone hears my voice. So it means that as he knocks, he's also calling. This I'll say and we'll pray, but the Bible would say, I think it's in Hebrews chapter 3 Yeah, I think. And he says, if, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. That, that is a big deal for me because those who know me know I like to control things. Right, I like to, when I say control, just arrange things. I like my things. My kids will tell you that when I come, I know, where, I know if you moved anything from my room. So I start to ask, sometimes my wife is just wondering, is this guy really okay? I'm like, who moved this? And it's not like the thing has disappeared. It's just that somebody moved it and then turned it around, left, and maybe it's now facing north. And I, for some spiritual reason, know it should be facing the other way. So if it's something like that, you know, I'm very particular. Imagine when I then hear God doing Idris and <laughs> I'm, I'm like I'm not home. I'm not home. I'm already trying. I'm already pastoring. I'm in church. I don't I don't I'm not at home. I don't know what you want to do again. So for me it's not easy. It's not the it's not like every time you just hear God knocking and you say yes, yes. Here I am sending me. That's not true. Some days you dodge. Some of you have been dodging for months. Some there's Jonah who's been heading in a totally wrong you are in IT and you know it. That God called you to a pastor. And it sounds funny, but you know it. You know it. I said something to the leaders, and I, I think I have, I, have, I have freedom to say it today. I said it to them yesterday. I believe that there's a whole generation of Christians. Not a whole, there's a big generation. A lot of people in a generation, and I won't say which one, which, who I believe avoided, judged their calling in God. And I, so I believe that our generation has at least, for most of us, we have two layers of assignment. And so God is, you can feel God, and, I, and, and honestly, I don't know in what regard, for some of you, he's, he's actually calling you abroad. Someone say, yes, amen. He is calling you. For so some is, is dry. he's calling you abroad. <laughs> Knowing that Cameroon is abroad. <laughs> <laughs> Senegal is abroad yeah. Iraq is abroad so they send me there they will still give me dollars just relax <laughs> but, but as we pray tonight may I ask that we we also hmm, sorry, I, I, I don't, no, don't want to dwell on this but you know how God begins to call Samuel And he he doesn't he knows someone is calling him, but he doesn't he doesn't know who is calling until the prophet says to him, "Ah, this is God who wants to have a conversation with you." And so he says to him, "The next time you hear, just give him attention." Tonight, as we pray, we'll ask God for perspective over your life, not your neighbor's life. Would you ask God to make you rich, indeed? wealthy. For someone, maybe it's even a big prayer you don't understand yet. It. Maybe it's just okay to say, God, show me how much value my faith has. Because Peter says that my faith is of much more value than gold. I don't understand that, God, but please show me. So maybe that's where someone needs to pray tonight. For someone else, maybe it's, it's, it's time for you to be honest before God and say, God, you are spot on here. I'm still in Genesis chapter 3. In fact, it's not just Adam and Eve who are hiding. I'm right behind them also. And so, Lord, would you clothe me tonight with a garments of righteousness that I may come before your throne with boldness. What you are wearing determines where you go. And I may come before your throne with bold. As the Bible says, the righteous are as bold as lions. For someone you know that there is such hesitation in your life. You are no longer bold before God. You are no longer bold in your prayers. And maybe you fell somewhere. It's time to say, Lord, clothe me tonight. Lord, clothe me tonight. For someone else, you know you, you, are, you can't really see things. It says that I will anoint your eyes with eyes out that you may see. For someone else tonight, it is the knocking of God on our hearts. And we're saying, Lord, I'm opening this door with some bit of hesitation, but Lord, I'm opening the door. Lord, I'm opening the door. For someone else, he says, if you hear my voice, open the door. And so someone says, Lord, I hear your voice. I don't know if you will be pleased with the things that I see. The things that are inside. Oh, but it's amusing because Jesus says to them, you are poor, you are wretched, you are miserable, but yet he says, open the door. Yet he says, open the door. So I know that you are sad, you are confused, you are depressed, that your inner life is a mystery. It's all upside down. Jesus says, open the door. He says, open the door. He says, open the door. So all through this, let's just, let's lift a prayer to God tonight. Let's lift, he's the amen. He's the amen, the true and faithful witness. Yeah, yep, that's who he is. That's who you are. Lord, would you by your spirit and your word give us perspective today? We do not come, Lord, asking you to confirm the things that we think and we say. Your word says your thoughts are higher than ours. Lord, we come, we come to receive your counsel tonight. 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 We come to buy clothes from you tonight. We come to buy clothes from you tonight. We come, Lord, to buy to, to, to ask you to cause your fire to come upon us. We bring fuel tonight. Yep, we bring fuel tonight. But I want to be hot. That is someone else's prayer. I want to be hot. I am tired of, of pretending. I'm tired of trying to conform, to dabble. I want to be hot tonight. Yes, Lord, I want to be hot. For so someone else is saying, Lord, my faith, my faith, my faith, my faith, my faith, my faith. I've tried to make money. Lord, would we make faith together? Would we build my faith? I've tried to build my finances. But Lord, can we build my faith also? All around this place. May I ask that as God empowers you, as He as He embraces you tonight with His love, that may I ask that you pray. May I ask that you pray. For someone, your prayer tonight is an act of faith, is a signal of victory. For someone else, as you open your mouth to pray, you will start to speak in, the, in tongues. Lord, counsel me. Lord, counsel me. Someone is saying, Lord, concerning my career, counsel me. He says he will not judge by the seeing of the eyes or by the hearing of the ear. There is something beyond what eyes can see. Lord, show me. Someone is saying, Lord, make me rich. Make me rich. Do we have a song we want to sing? Feel
1: my life